I'm doing mighty fine. day we've had today and continuing to have. Tonight I'm going to be wanting you to go to several places in the scripture but start off with in 2 Thessalonians chapter 5 and I want to do a little bit of house cleaning from this morning's message which means that I gave you three things that uh, to bring your flesh under subjection, and I got to one of them. So if your notes are incomplete, let's complete them in just in this uh, moment while you're turning to Second Thessalonians. I said that to continue to add to the spirit, first of all, deny the flesh, basically what it means, just to deny the flesh. In 1 Corinthians 9 and 25 through 27 was the scripture, and that's where we stop. Secondly, is to sanctify our lives. We don't talk about sanctification very much, but it's strong doctrine of the scripture that we are to basically, the sanctify means to set it apart for service, means to dedicate it to God uh, for that purpose only. It's not to be used uh, for ourselves anymore. We're not our own. We've been bought by price. Number three is through praise and prayer. Praise and prayer are the key to a continual bringing our lives into subjection to the Holy Spirit because in doing so, the Bible says that God inhabits the praise of his people, which means the presence of God comes through praise. And if you have the presence of God, the, the awareness, praise brings the awareness of the presence of God. He is with us always. But how many of you know there are times you don't feel like he's there? But praise brings the awareness of the presence of God. So praise and prayer are the three primary things that we do in order to enhance the presence of God and in to overcome the flesh. 
Now in speaking of the flesh, and we said that this is the, of the three battlegrounds, this is the trench battle, this is the ground fight, this is the combat of hand to hand, and it's that close because it is the flesh, it couldn't get any closer to us. Now we know we fight the devil. That's one of the that's one of the areas we fight the world. The world is always luring us and calling us and enticing us. So we fight the devil, we fight the world, and we fight the flesh. Those are the battlegrounds. Somebody said and asked the question: If I'm dead to sin, as the Scripture says, then why? Must I continually kill the, the, the flesh every day? If I'm already dead to sin, why have I got to fight? And so the best answer I can give you to this is that when you died and you were born again by the grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ redeemed you on the cross, then Christ commands us to take up our cross. The new birth, you were born again as a warrior. You were born again as a warrior, which means you were born to fight. Because we have an enemy, and that's the devil, who is out to destroy. And so God has called us. And so tonight... Going into the second part of this concerning the, the warfare with the flesh, I said we're going to talk about the body because the body is indeed the flesh. And uh, so I want to look at what the Bible view of the body is. We're going to talk about the Bible view. And in 1 Thessalonians, did I tell you 2 Thessalonians? Actually, it's 1 Thessalonians, and I'm sorry. And the reason is it's because at the very end of, it's, it's the end of 1 Thessalonians, and so looking at the heading of your Bible, it, would more, it probably says 2 Thessalonians at the head of it. So then that's what mine does. But it's actually 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I'm not sure. Second uh, uh, Thessalonians doesn't even have five chapters. So... 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 28 or 23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify, there's that word, sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we, we, we understand the, uh, the spirit and the soul. But Paul also said the body. But we don't talk about that very often. But do you realize how much there is in the Bible that speaks about our bodies? Because I want to tell you, the main reason we must understand this is that you were given a body. And you're going to carry that body with you forever. You say, well, preacher, man, I'm, I was hoping I could exchange this body for a new one. Well, you are going to have a 
We used to sing that song, I'll have a new body, praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Sanctified forever. <laughs> and we, we, we sing that, but the truth is, when you die, that body is buried. Resurrection brings forth, we, we die in corruption, we're raised incorruptible. And so there is a transformation of the body that goes from the mortal to immortality. But it's still your body. Somebody said, when you get to heaven, are, are we going to know each other? The Bible says we will. The only way I know you is because I know you. I can look at you and tell who you are. Amen? And when we get to heaven, I'm going to be able to walk up to you. And I'm going to, have, I'm going to know you because you're going to look. Now, you're going to be, uh, there will be a transformation, praise the Lord. Some of you are going to get your hair back. <laughs> And you know one of the most amazing things that when we get to heaven, I'm going to know what your real color of your hair is. <laughs> but we are going to know this body is important. Thank God that it will, be, it will be transformed. The Bible says when Jesus comes that we will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. But it also says we're going to be caught up. And so it is not just your spirit is going to spend eternity. And so why is it that we pay and focus on the body? Because that's what Paul said, that you, I pray that you would be sanctified completely, both spirit, soul, and body at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we look at it, we need to understand the proper view, which is the Bible view of the body. There are basically two ways that we normally find people looking at their bodies or, or paying attention to their bodies. One is the fact that, that there are a lot of people that make idols of their body. They are constantly nothing but pampering and and doing everything for their body. All of it is about the body, the appearance. Everything is about, so it is an idol to some people, their bodies are. And the second way that people look at their bodies is that many people, their body is a weight or a burden. They just, they, they, always, always are cursing their bodies. Now I want to tell you something. When I speak this tonight and talk about this, if there are those that hear this and you've got, you have disabilities and you've got things physically with your body, that there are those, some of the most precious people in the world that I, I, I know that have the greatest spirit, that have some type of deformity in their bodies. And I'm not talking about those that are crippled or those that are carrying some kind of burden of a, of a 
broken body for some reason. But I'm talking about tonight those who have potential to change their body and to understand the proper Bible view. Because if your body is an idol, it's under a curse. And there will be eventually a time when that curse will come to bear in your body because we can have no other gods before Him. And if your body is a god to you, it's an idol. And then secondly, those who constantly curse their bodies, who speak evil of it, who consider their bodies as a burden or a weight, you are also under a curse. And it's of your own doing. And so you have to have an understanding of speaking well toward yourself, but having the right view of your body. Let's just look at what the scripture says. Go with me. It's going to take a moment to go through all these scriptures. But let's start out with the book of Psalms, chapter 139, and see what the Bible says concerning our bodies. In Psalms chapter 139, and this is a Psalm of David, verse number 13 says, For you formed me. You formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. That is, causes chill bumps when I read that. To know that it is in the womb that God first has his hand upon your body. It is God himself who forms. I do not believe that a Christian who has understanding of the word of God could ever believe that it's okay to abort a child. Because that child in that womb, it doesn't say at a certain trimester or a certain time, but it is at the point of that, that child being conceived that God has something to do with that child. And he had something to do with you. From the very conception of your life, he put his hand upon you in the mother's womb and covered you and formed your parts. Mm. That is a tremendous word. And verse 14, David said, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There's your view of the Bible concerning your body. That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, David said. It is a tremendous thing to think. And it, you, you know, I know we get older. I know we age. Everybody ages. But it is from your conception that God formed your life and touched your body. 
My, my, my. And so it is a wonderful thing to understand the beauty. And so understanding how are we made. There are two things to keep in mind from first of all this verse in scripture. Number one, we were made by God. Now, your dad and mom had a part in it. But every human being that's born has been formed by God. The Creator always reserves His special creation for Himself. And so with every person, he or she is a creation of God. My. When I think about that. So we were made by God fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully. So awesome. So, so almost scary how that God is involved in the creation and wonderfully made. We were made by God and secondly we were made for God. If you turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In verse number 19. The Bible says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God, how? In your body. And in your spirit, which are God's, which belongs to God. And so we glorify God in our bodies because we were made by Him and for Him for a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. God in the Old Testament formed a dwelling place for His presence. And it was the tabernacle that He had where He would come and dwell among the children of Israel, His chosen people. But at the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, the promise of Jesus is, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and he shall be with you and in you. And on the day of Pentecost, when they were gathered together, 120 of them in the upper room, the Holy Spirit came and indwelled the believers and they began to 
be the church of the living God. We are now, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit reserved for His dwelling, reserved for His glory, reserved so that your body would be an example of the glory of God. It is not just in your spirit, but your body is to exemplify that it's a temple of God. And if it is a temple of God, then it is to be looked at and cared for the same way that the temple was cared for and taken care of. And that's why the Bible says concerning that, if we were to read in the earlier writings concerning that, verse number 17, if you still have your Bibles open, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Verse 18 says, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. That's why it is critical that we understand the truth of how that sexual sins that is permeating not just the world that we're living in, but the church and the casualness of this sin and how that it is destroying the work of the Holy Ghost in the midst of God's people is because that we don't realize that the temple of God is being destroyed because that we don't recognize we already have a dwelling we already are connected and that's with God and so we know that this is one of the major areas of destruction that the devil is working in our day so we understand our bodies are to be free that's not the only sin but the Bible says that's the sin that destroys the body, the temple. Do you know about your body? How, how wonderful it's made? I love to read and study about the body. And I'm not going to take time to bore you with a lot of facts tonight. But just taking the example of your brain, that gray matter that is a part of our brain. Do you know literally that it is folded together and placed in your in your head or in your skull that if you were to take that brain out and unfold your brain that it would literally cover an ironing board it is amazing how god put us together simple little things like that that the blood vessels in your body there are 60,000 miles of blood vessels in your body. Enough to go around the world if you took your blood vessels and, 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 and put them end to end that they would, it would go around the world. What, two and a half times or three times or something? 60,000 miles of blood vessels inside your body. That there are over a trillion cells. Each cell contains you. That's something that's marvelous. We, we consider it today as how that we're able to find 
and, and, and know who, if someone is a certain person because of their DNA. Isn't it a marvelous thing that every single cell of your body contains you? And there are over a trillion cells in your body. Just the nerve system, which is the communication system of your body. There are better than 50 miles of, of, of nerves throughout your body that send signals back and forth. And this is the marvel of how God has made us. But the Bible also says that we were fearfully and wonderfully made because our body was made for redemption. That's the second point I want to, make, I want to bring tonight is that your body was made for redemption. In the book of Romans chapter 12, in Romans chapter 12, in verse 1, listen to what the Bible says. Romans 12 and 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I like verse number two when I read this because it said, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But it starts out that I beseech you, brethren, that you, by the mercies of God, by the, he, he said, I'm, I am pleading with you to understand, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. The only approach in the Old Testament to God was through a sacrifice. Your bodies is that sacrifice to God. Not a dead sacrifice, but a living sacrifice. And so your bodies, when you are alive, and we are made alive by the power of God, and when we have our bodies to the point that we present them to God, in the Old Testament, it was necessary to present the very best you had to God. And it's up to us that in the New Testament, our bodies are the sacrifice. We present the best we can to God. And when you present your least and you are not concerned about your body, and you don't, you're not concerned about how that you present your bodies, then you're failing God and you're offering God less than what you should. Come on now. Is anybody believing and hearing what I'm saying tonight? Because your body is that living sacrifice. So determine your body are two things in redemption. One, it's your sacrifice to God and secondly, it determines your appropriation of God's will. It determines your appropriation of God's will for your life. Do you I don't know how many people that say, I just wish I knew what God's will for my life was. I just, I don't understand that I just don't, I don't, God don't speak to me. God doesn't show me. And God, and it's my, my uh, communication with God is so limited. I don't have the ability to, to, to touch God and, 
and, and I just wish that I knew him more and more about what he wants for my life. But your appropriation of God's will in your life is dependent upon your body being presented to him as a sacrifice unto him. Go with me to 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I know this is more of a teaching tonight, but sometimes this is what we need. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. How many? All must appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each of each one may receive the things done in the body. According to what he has done, whether good or bad. And so when we stand before God, he's going to determine your future, your rewards, the things that will happen to you according to what you did with your body. According to the good or the bad that you did. That's a lot to think about. You, you mean that it, you know, a lot of people have this idea that when we get to heaven, everybody's going to be there. And because of what Jesus did, we're all going to be saved. And so we're all going to be basically, we have the same concept as they do with, with, with the children's games these days. Baseball or, or whatever it is they play. That everybody gets a trophy. And at the end, it doesn't matter who's the strongest and who hits the most home runs and who, who everybody's the same. There are no losers and there are no winners. And we have this idea when we get to heaven that it's going to be the same thing. But God's going to judge us, not our eternal life, but our future, based upon what we've done in our bodies. With good or bad. And you can't argue with me. You got to argue with this scripture. Amen. And do you know that it is an actual shame? We, we used to sing. I don't think we don't sing it anymore. But we used to sing this song. Just give me a cabin in the corner of glory man. I just want to make it through. I just want to slide under just before they close the gate. And that's a disgrace to God. That you would want to stay in touch with this world and do everything in your body to please your own self and when you get to heaven then say well everything's fine I made it but I want to tell you something you've got all eternity ahead of you this life now is just a little bitty place a little spot of all eternity I don't know what all is going to take place in eternity I don't know what we're going to do I don't know how far we go I know that heaven is a capital city. We go in and out. But listen to me. I don't know about what all is going to take place in the future. But your determination of your future has to do. Your salvation has to do with the blood of Jesus. Whether you go to heaven or hell. But I want to tell you something. You need to be concerned about your future. How much you can give to the kingdom of God as far as presenting yourself as a sacrifice to God and making it available. Listen, I, I don't understand why you don't see people committed to God 
You can't get people to church more than one time a week and many people more than one time a month and then many one time or two times a year. And they don't seem that it makes any difference with them. Am I preaching to the choir? <laughs> I'm preaching to the choir. Amen, I am. Gonna... <laughs> you know what the Bible says? If we confess our sins, he's he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you know that's one of the reasons why this preacher, you probably never heard a preacher preach about asking the people to constantly repent and pray because if we sin in our bodies, it does have an effect upon us. The blood of Jesus forgives, but he says if we if we confess our sins, what happens if we don't confess our sins? You've got to think about the Word of God because when we do things, we do it against this temple of God. We are the temple of the living God. Let me give you a couple of more scriptures before we finish up tonight. In Philippians chapter 3, in Philippians chapter 3, verse number 18, Philippians 3.18 says, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. I underline that word cross in my Bible. They are the enemies of the cross. You know what the cross is about? It's about sacrifice. They don't like the cross of Christ because they don't like the sacrifice that is involved in following after Jesus. Verse 19 says, Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. That the only thing that they're concerned with is how their living room is decorated or how, how, big, a mo how big a motor and how much horsepower they've got in their truck. How much of this, their earthly thing, that's all they think about is earthly things. They never are heavenly minded. And with them, they don't like the cross because the cross demands that we follow in a pursuit of God, denying ourselves, crucifying our own desires and flesh, and following after the Spirit of God. And the reward of that is that the Holy Ghost has full reign in our lives and we see the marvel and the magnificent things that God does when we follow after the Holy Spirit and not after earthly things. Oh, praise God. Verse number 20, For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also Eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies, our lowly body, that it may be conformed to the glorious body according to the workings by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. What he is saying here is, if you will... Focus on the heavenly citizenship and the heavenly things 
instead of about the earthly citizenship and the earthly things, set your focus and your mind and your affections on things above, this old lowly body, he's going to come and transform it and you don't know what a marvelous body that God has and he's going to transform this body into glorious heavenly body that's going to, and things that you never, never thought about. That God will bless us. There is a reward to it. Now, I'm almost, I'm almost there. But in Philippians, going back just a few verses in that same chapter, Philippians chapter three, in verse number ten, it says that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering, being conformed to His death, if by any means. I may again, I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul said, you, 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 uh, if, if I can just understand, I want to conform to the sufferings and the death of Jesus because I want to experience what Jesus experienced when he was resurrected from the dead. I want to understand that glory. I want to experience what Jesus experienced in that marvelous time of his resurrection. My, 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 I feel those, that uh, the holy presence of God all over me right now. And, and, and when we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, in verse number 27, the Bible says, and Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9 and 27, but I discipline my body. And bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. I read that to you this morning. Paul said, you see, I keep my body disciplined. I discipline my body, which, what are you talking about? We must treat it. We must treat our bodies with great discipline, which means in natural things as well as spiritual things. Because... How you treat your life, what you eat, how you do, how you sleep. Can you, can you bear a little bit more, just, just a few more things? I got five minutes in my time allotted. Turn to Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verse number 2. This is a good scripture. This ought to be on your refrigerator. Isaiah 55 and 2 says, Why do you spend money for what is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good. And let your soul delight itself in abundance. What he's saying here is, don't put your affections upon eating just because it's good when it's bad for you. Why do you spend money on bread or on stuff that is not good for you when you ought to be thinking about the only pleasure is not in, eat good stuff. Eat what's good. And then get your pleasure out of the enjoyment of the presence of God and in the enjoyment of having a healthy body. 
We stuff stuff in our bodies. We stuff stuff in our children. We stuff stuff in our grandchildren that ought not be given I'm debating because if I say dog, somebody's going to send me a, an email saying, don't you talk about my dogs. <laughs> but I want to tell you something, folks, it's important. We need to understand that this is the scripture. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do to the glory of God. Let me ask you something. When you pick that drink up, can you say, I'm drinking this to the glory of God when it's nothing but destructive, death, and no good for you? If you eat, if you drink, do it for the glory of God. Come on now. You don't like this, do you? You want me to quit? Colossians 2, 3 and 2 says, Set your mind on things above and not on the things of this earth. Be heavenly minded. Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The New Living Translation says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all that he's done for you. And then the third and final thing, and I'll close. And that is to be filled with the Spirit. Allow yourself, seek after God, and for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in its fullness. Because Romans 8 and 11, but that same Spirit, but if that Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, it'll also Quicken, and that word quicken means made alive. So if you want to have, be a lively person, you want to have a lively body, be filled with the Spirit. It'll quicken your body. It'll make it alive. Eat right, sleep right, do right, stop sinning, start seeking God, focus upon the kingdom of God, and focus upon doing healthy and doing right in your bodies. And when you get 105 years old, you'll still be kicking high. Because you know what? God will get glory out of your long life if it is to the glory of God. Amen. Come on, brother. Oh, wait, wait, I got 10 seconds. No. <laughs>